When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Around the 412. We are part of the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Happy Easter, happy Passover, whatever you were celebrating over the weekend. We hope it was a great one. I'm Tyler, and with me as always is my co-host, Smitty. How are you doing, man? You're, you're fresh out of the office. New job. Yes. What's going on? Yes, I am. Thank you. Um, Yeah. F- well, first off, I just want to say with you just saying happy Easter, happy Passover. How bad is it that I didn't even like really realize it was Easter until I think Wednesday of last week? Like it just flew yeah. up on me. And because uh, we would have wished people on the last episode to have a happy Easter because we wouldn't have been talking to them until afterwards. But true. Yeah, I hope everybody we'll had in, uh, a little belated. <laughs> yeah, we hope everybody had a great holiday. Uh, and you could just listen to us the day after and then obviously carry on throughout the rest of the week with all the other original content right here. So be sure to subscribe to the channel. Leave us a like. Leave us a comment very early. Let's get going. Just let's jump right into it. Uh, some Steelers talk to kick off the show. I want to ask you a question as well as everybody in the comments. Okay. Say the draft is tomorrow okay uh roster as it stands right now who is your betting odds favorite who would be your pick as to where the Steelers go at pick number 20 assuming that they stay at pick number 20 by the way because a trade-up is very possible we know that so based off of the trends that I or not just me that everybody has seen from the Steelers and clarifying that we are staying at pick 20 I'm going to go with Desmond Ritter uh, I, I think that a lot of signs have pointed to them going in the quarterback route just based off of what pro days have been at, who they've been watching the most. Obviously, Malik Willis is their guy. I don't think there's any hiding that. M- Mike Tomlin loves him. We all saw the look he, threw, he gave him after that throw Malik Willis had. Um, but if we're staying at 20, I think it is Desmond Ritter because there's no way that Malik Willis is even making it out of the top 10 in my opinion, and probably most mm-hmm. people's opinions. So I would think it's another quarterback that they have scouted out. And even though that wouldn't be my pick, I think that is probably the direction that the Steelers are going to go heading to- in towards the draft. Okay, so here's what else I'll add to that. I think that Desmond Ritter is the second quarterback on their board. So I think that they have no problem with him being the guy if Malik Willis isn't there. I think that they could almost look at it like, would we rather have Desmond Ritter at pick number 20 or Malik Willis at pick number five or six and having to give yep. up an additional first next year, you know, multiple seconds as well on top of that, you know, so weighing their options there, which one sounds more enticing. Um, they, they definitely could go that route. But for me, 
I'm going to go a different direction here because I'm looking at the roster right now and they don't have a starting safety. And when you think about how often teams play three wide receivers on the field, they also don't have a starting wide receiver, really. Right. Um, so I'm looking at that and I'm saying, OK, this team, in my opinion, I know it's like a pipe dream for everybody that they get Tyron Matthew, uh, you know, Terrell Edmonds. Maybe he does come back. Maybe they circle back there. I'm assuming that they don't add another that they don't add a safety, a strong safety before the draft. And this is kind of the way that it's trending to me with just over a week until the draft. I'm going to go Daxton Hill out of Michigan. Mm, the safety at pick number 20. Um, you know, another name that I could throw out there is like Lewis Sign out of Georgia. But the way that I'm looking at it right now, and I, I put a tweet out about this too, is like my top five guy. I actually included Desmond Ritter in that tweet as well. So I, I think that that's a very real possibility. But I think when you break it down, you look at everything right now. Um, there's not a st- starting strong safety on the roster. Daxon Hill's a guy mm-hmm. that can also play in the slot. He can play around the line of scrimmage. He can do a lot of things for this defense. To me, he's a top 15 player, and I think it's a very real possibility, though, that he's available at 20. Um, they were at his pro day, so that checks off a box right there. Um, we'll see if he comes in for a visit, because that could be a big indicator, too. But the, the fact that Colbert and Tomlin were at the pro day, that's like the big indicator. They haven't taken somebody in the first round without being at their pro day. Yeah, and I just want to clarify that my pick of Desmond Ritter, that's not the direction I would go. Yeah, no, and I didn't want it to be. Yeah, that's clearly just what I think the Steelers will do. And going safety does make sense. You do not have that that right-hand man to Minka Fitzpatrick in the backfield yet. So who's it going to be? Could it come in the draft? I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, And I, I just think, like, for me, I think quarterback has been looked at just so hard especially by the Steelers, even though they signed Mitch Trubisky, I personally thought that was going to be the end of the quarterback discussion, at least for this year for the Mm. Steelers. And clearly that wasn't the case. I think they've, they've looked at multiple quarterbacks since that signing. And I mean, they are doing their due diligence That's good on their part, but I just didn't think it was going to be taken as serious of a pick, especially at number 20 um, as it is, it is right now. And I think quarterback is also one of those positions where even though we do have Mitch Trubisky and maybe he does turn out to be like a long term starter for the Steelers and he, it's it's like a rebirth of his career here. But, but that's not guaranteed the case. Quarterback is just one of those positions where even though you have one and unless you have like a generational talent like a Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, you are always going to be willing to take another one to yeah. try to find that franchise Look. guy. Let me bring something up real quick, and then we can we can move on. Uh, they're talking about Tennessee as a sleeper to, to add a quarterback. They just paid Ryan Tannehill, what, two years ago, like $90 million? And it's, again, to your point, if you don't have Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, um, I guess, well, you know, I, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, I would say, but they, Green Bay took a quarterback with him there. Um, Tampa Bay has Tom Brady, but I think that they're still going to be in the quarterback market knowing that he could retire at any time. I mean, he was retired like really, a month ago. <laughs> yeah. And like with what's going on with Arizona, with Kyler Murray, like how weird could that situation get right before the draft? You know, and I no mean, Steelers fans. Just, we are not trading for Kyler Murray. I just, <laughs> right. just got to get that then, out there. It's not happening. And then of course, teams that just spent a first round pick, like, you know, Jacksonville's not going to do it. The Jets aren't going to do it right away. Chicago, mm-hmm. Justin Fields, just getting there last year, uh, New England with Mac Jones, San Fran with Trey Lance. But like these teams that have even like a Kirk Cousins or, you know, we just brought up Ryan Tannehill, um, Derek Carr's got paid, so that's not happening as well. Um, but these teams that have like good to very good quarterbacks, even if they're not elite, you're constantly thinking about like, should or could we upgrade here? So if you're not half of the AFC, basically, because all the elite yeah. quarterbacks are in the AFC now, besides much. Yeah. <laughs> the the young ones, for sure. Yeah. 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 
Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do just over a week. Like we said, one week from Thursday, we're going to know what's going to happen. All this speculation can come to a stop and we're going to actually know what the Steelers are going to do uh, at pick 20 or maybe not at pick 20. Uh, there's a lot of smoke there for them moving up, actually potentially even laying the foundation, the groundwork, making some calls to see what it would take to move up. We've mm-hmm. heard some smoke there as well. I don't know. Did you see that with them and the Saints potentially looking yeah. like making some calls to see what it would take? Yeah. Yeah. I'd be interested to like to me at that point, who are you trading up for? Because honestly, I think Malik Willis is already gone. So I I guess if you're trading up for that, that, are you hoping Malik Willis is still there or is that just a a, if he's there, we're definitely going to trade up at that point or. Yeah, the the way that that I understand it, and this was uh, real quick, um, this was brought up on Pat McAfee's show when Chris Ballard, the Colts GM, was on there, is that when teams make these calls to each other, it's okay, we'll make this deal if that player falls. So they're not making that that trade official until that player is available at that spot. So it's just them saying, listen, if if Malik Willis is, is available at this spot, we would be interested in trading up to it. And that's like and the that's only one because it's like we're not going to trade up there to take Jordan Davis. I, yeah, I don't see it. I don't see it. But hey, I, I'm not ruling out the fact that he could fall to 20 defensive tackles. They they do fall. So, yeah. Um, but OK, we'll see what happens. Like I said, a week from Thursday, the NFL draft. We'll see how it goes down. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back to talk about the pens. I feel like I'm always saying when we uh, switch to talk about the pens, but we got some injury news to talk about. Go figure. Uh, we will be right back. This is Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. And welcome back to Around the 412 on the DT Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I am Smitty. That is Tyler. Tyler, um, the big thing for us all season has been, what is Tristan Jari going to do? What version of Tristan Jari are we going to see when we get to the playoffs? Because that was the Achilles heel for them last year. They played really well against the Islanders and didn't get the play that they needed in net. Tristan Jari's been fantastic this year for a little bit even. It looked like he could be a, a Vezina finalist. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's now injured, and we understand that it's a broken bone in his foot. So that lower body injury is a broken bone in his foot. He's week to week with that injury, and week to week, we don't have week to week until the playoffs start. We got about two weeks until the playoffs start. Yeah. What does this mean for this Penguins team? What is your confidence level if we go into the playoffs? I'm sorry, when we go into the playoffs, it looks like with a Casey to Smith, Louis Domingue goaltending duo. Yeah, got to add that when we get into the playoffs because we we, they clinched a 16th straight year, which I'm sure we could touch on a little bit. But I do not know where my confidence level is with this team because with Tristan Jari, it's already – I think just based off of the experience from last year that all of us Penguins fans had watching that meltdown happen, it's already kind of wavered a little bit. Like, yes, Tristan Jari is definitely the guy we want in net, but what's going to happen? We have to wait and see what happens on the ice during playoff time. But with Casey DeSmith and Louis Domingue, I I can appreciate that those guys have, are decent goalies in their own right, but they're not Tristan Jari. And I, I understand that Casey DeSmith is like save percentage since – the beginning of February or something is like around 920, which is great, but I just still don't have that confidence that I do whenever Tristan Jari is in net. And 
I think this is a big blow for the Penguins. Now, week to week, I guess we don't know what that means. Could it be like just two weeks? I, ho- I hope that it's more towards that end. We've seen uh, Vasilevsky had a broken bone in his foot before, and he only took him like two weeks to heal it. So hopefully it's more of something like that, and it's not going to be like multiple weeks and like lead into a month and a half, two months, whatever it may be. I mean, we might be out of the playoffs at that point. But I just think my my confidence in the team, based off of just that injury, has gone down a tick because I don't know what we're going to get in net. And especially from the play that we've seen in front of the goaltenders recently, you're going to need the goaltender to bail you out. And mm-hmm. I, I just don't know if I have that confidence in either Casey DeSmith or Louis Domingue to be able to do that and put the team on their back when you need it the most. Because to be honest, it's not just the goalie I'm worried about. The team in front of them has not been playing well to to give them a chance to make better saves and just look better as a goaltender. The defense has really been slacking the last couple weeks in itself. So, yeah, my confidence in the team right now is kind of wavered, especially with the injury. Yeah, I, I think that that's an important note, too, because we're not just talking about the confidence level in, in the play that you're getting in net. Um, I think that there's, you know, been a dip in the play. They're about a 500 team over the last two months. And whether that's just, you know, a product of them knowing that they have a playoff spot pretty much locked up the entire season or at least the entire duration that we're talking about here of being a 500 team. They've known they were going to be a playoff team for a very long time. We've known who the playoff teams are going to be for a very long time. It's just been a matter of seeding. So it, maybe that's the reason they've kind of taken their foot off the gas. But you would think that it, you would really hope that you at least see something in these last, you know, six, seven games now um to to really get ramping up and show like that playoff style hockey i think and i want to kind of transition this um because i i'm with you that you know a, a casey to smith louis domingue goaltending duo doesn't inspire much confidence for me what i will say is i'd probably split up the games remaining between those two um to see what you have in the rest of the regular season i i'd give them an even amount of games here and i probably just alternate back and forth um but what I want to transition to here is, and I know we only have one game left of, of the Geno suspension with Jeff Carter playing second line center, but how poorly has that gone? I don't want to keep beating the same drum and beating a dead horse here with Jeff Carter, but as the second line center now that we're talking about, not just the third line center where you can kind of, I don't want to say shelter him, but but ask him to do a little bit less. If you're talking about him playing second line center, you know, him, Brian Russ and Jason Zucker have virtually done nothing pr- productive for this team while playing together. Yeah, it hasn't looked bad. And before I touch on this, I just want to go back real quick and touch on what you said splitting oh, yeah, time between the goalies. I agree with that completely. I think you just need to see, okay, which one of you are playing better in this moment? You got to ride the hot hand. And so I think that you have to do that. We talk, I talked about splitting the goalies uh, time up anyway over the last eight games or so, even with Tristan Jari out there, just to give him a break. But now that he's out yeah. week to week, you definitely need to see what you got out of both these guys. Who should be the starter? I mean, I think it will end up being Casey DeSmith um, because he has played better over the past like couple months, and he's been up here. Louis Domingue had the injury and been down in AHL, but uh, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. Now, when it comes to Jeff Carter and that whole second line, uh, on Saturday they had – one shot attempt four and like <laughs> 11 against um, oh, they they look terrible and that is something that I didn't think I'd be saying this but I actually thought about it on Saturday I think that the extension of Jeff Carter is looking really bad now and with how cap 
or how ca- the cap situation is going to hurt the Penguins this offseason because they have to re-sign a bunch of guys, which I know we're going to talk about in a little bit. Um, I think that the Penguins should get into a situation where they basically say, Jeff, you need to retire or we're going to look to move you. Because I don't think you can afford to have Jeff Carter at $3.125 million on your team with his production level being what it is. Yeah, I, the tough thing is, like, I mean, he can still score the puck. He's going to finish around 20 goals this year. He's got 18. I, I think for me, the biggest thing is just him getting, like, it's it's not a coincidence that it's always his line that's just buried in their own defensive end and can't get the puck out. Um, So I just, I, I mean, I keep going back to it. Again, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse, but, like, I, I just don't think he's suited to play center anymore. I really don't take issue, much issue with him playing in a right wing or left wing role, and I would be interested to see them do that. I think that they have the centers, the, enough centers on the roster to do it. Um. But I don't know that Sullivan will. The other issue there is he's also, even though we're talking about him not really being able to fulfill some of the duties of being a center, he's their best faceoff guy. So maybe he takes the faceoff and then, you know, concedes to whoever the actual natural uh, center is playing on his line. But I, I don't know what the answer is here, but it's just, yeah, I think there's a lot more cons than there is pros to his game right now, especially when you're talking about him playing in a top six role. Um, like I said, luckily, you're only talking about one more game of that this year, but then we'll see what the future looks like. It, it, it could be past this year that he's playing in a top six role. Um, but I, I just mentioned one of those two names uh, that he's playing with right now. Actually, you know, I guess we could bring up both of them for the future because Jason Zucker, I think that it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this offseason. Um, but the other one, Brian Russ, is actually a free agent. And w- with seeing Ricard Raquel jump up to that top line, I, I tweeted out kind of joking, but also not really. I wondered if like Ricard Raquel jumping up there was to get a look at those three Gensel, Sid, Raquel, not just for the rest of this season in the playoff push into the playoffs because of the chemistry they've had, but also because maybe they view Ricard Raquel as a piece for the future. And if that's the case, you know, has he become like a top priority for them in free agency? I think he was going to be no matter what because of um, I I don't think you trade for a guy that is a, a free agent at the end of the year. In this situation, especially Ron Hextall. The goal is always to re-sign him, but I'm, I'm wondering where he yeah. ranks, you know, on that list because there's a lot of them. So, obviously the top two are Latang and Gino. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think you can make a discussion about Rust and Raquel. I think it's still Rust at this point. Um, the difference is... Rust could get the Zach Hyman treatment where he can get overpaid by a team and a long-term contract. And I don't really see that for Raquel um, coming off of what he's been doing in Anaheim and then what he's doing in Pittsburgh. I think the more realistic option would probably be Raquel. I don't know if that's how the Penguins organization views that or how they would view it, whether they're like, okay, we're, we're not really in on Russ like we should be just because of the numbers he's getting from outside of this organization and what he's getting from others. Um, I, 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 it's so tough because I want to keep both. I would love to keep both. Um, but this is a business and you have to really decide what is best for your team, not just on the ice, but financially, like is overpaying rust better than paying cheaper for Raquel to help your team in other areas as well. I I think that's a very tough question that the Penguins are going to have to answer this off season. I, I don't think there's an easy answer either way. I, I Obviously, I want to keep both. But mm-hmm. where I'm at with it, as the player goes, 
I still would want Rust on the team over Raquel, but when you're throwing around the contracts with it, and obviously we don't know what contracts they're going to get, I think I would probably pump Raquel over Rust just because of what Rust is anticipated to get in the offseason and what the, I want to say discount, but like basically what the contract of Raquel versus Rust could be, you will have more room to improve your team in other areas with Raquel as a cap hit instead of Rust. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I'm pretty close to even contracts saying Raquel on this. And I know that a lot of people might disagree with with me. I just I know it's a, a pretty small sample size. I love the way that he's meshed on that top line. I think he brings a different element, a little bit different element than Brian Russ does. Also, I'm not going to lie. Part of this for me has been the injuries for Brian Russ kind of starting to to build up, too. He hasn't been the healthiest guy over the last couple seasons, and it's not like he's getting any younger. So I, as much as I love him, I mean, listen, he's he's been on the show. We have a soft spot for him. He's he's one of my favorite players on the team. But I, I think that we just from a, a hockey perspective need to have a conversation about this and think, yeah, would you rather have have Brian Rust and, and what you know the day that you hand out that contract is an overpay, but you're just like okay with it because it's Brian Rust and what he's done here, or Ricard Raquel, which you can almost get on like a I don't want to say buy low, but he hasn't been the exact same player over the last couple seasons, and you can maybe get on like a prove it deal, if you will. Yeah, and I, I mean, I even think you could give him a longer-term contract, like a, a four- to five-year contract at a decent number just based off of those similar uh, yeah, reasons. Yeah, I, I would hope that it's not just one year, but I'm just saying, yeah, you know, right, he might right. be looking at that. But I, I'm looking like, because I even said when we traded for Raquel, the people that are looking at his numbers dropping off, well, I also brought up that that's also whenever the um, play of the Anaheim Ducks also dropped off. And when you're on a bad team, that's going to affect how you play as well. I I don't think like you're you're you know I don't think you're going to be expected to hold the same point totals when you're playing on such a terrible team like they were bottom of the league like top bottom five of the league every year. Um, yeah. with that said, I I just think that this team in the off season is going to have a lot of <laughs> tough decisions to make, and like yeah. I'll just throw a scenario out there since we're talking about futures and cap and all that sort of stuff. Say Montreal throws a lot of money at Chris Letang and he ends up mm-hmm. leaving. What do we do with our defensive scenarios? Because at that point, my first thing, whether Letang stays or leaves, when it comes to the defense, is probably moving one of those left side defensemen just because you've got a, a ton of left side defensemen and you want a POJ to be playing, you got to move somebody. And there's a lot of mm-hmm. money on that left side that could clear up cap if you move somebody. I mean, Marcus Pedersen makes a little over $4 million. Um, Matheson makes $4.8 million. Dumoulin makes $4.1 million. So before Latang or anything like that gets moved or re-signed or anything, I would look at probably – it'd probably be looking at Pedersen just because that would probably get you the most out of a trade if you moved on from one of them. Doomlin to me would be the one I would want to dump just because I think his play has just gone so sour so quickly. Um, but if Latang does leave, then I'm looking at moving not just one, but probably two. And if you're not moving two, I think that Doomlin automatically goes from a top pairing defenseman to a third pairing defenseman because Latang's not here and they haven't been pl- even playing together lately. Matheson has been with Chris Latang. So I think if the tank's not even on the team anymore, 
then you're getting in a serious conversation of what are you doing for me lately? You haven't been that good. You're going to be playing third line minutes and uh, playing with a guy like Chad Ruedel, or we're going to move on. I, I just I just think there is a serious conversation about what the defensive unit is going to experience because there's been talks about Montreal with Chris Letang. There's been talks that he could go there if they, they throw a lot of money at him, and they I feel like they probably could have the money to do so. That's mm-hmm. his childhood team. It makes a lot of sense. Whether Latang actually wants to go there or not, I have no idea. I feel like he's definitely loyal to the Penguins and like Sid, Gino, the organization, Mario. But whenever you're at that age and you're still looking for money, if the Penguins can offer him seven million and but the Montreal can offer him nine, that's hard to pass up. And again, this is all scenarios. I have no idea what's going to happen. We still have a, a a couple months to worry about this, but. It's just something that I wanted to bring up because it's it's some conversations that we're going to be having this summer. If Latang leaves in free agency, there's some there's not a ton of UFAs. Although, like John Klingberg would obviously be be interesting, especially if they free up the money in, in those other ways by subtracting from the left side, because they're going to need a, a top pairing guy, in my opinion, on the right side. Let me bring up a name to you that's an RFA that would absolutely be hilarious because he plays on a division rival, Noah Dobson. From the Islanders. He also runs their power play, so he would help out in that area too. Just throw money at Noah Dobson and and make the Islanders not be able to match it. What? So offer sheet him? Is that what you're saying? Yep. yep. I mean, <laughs> how much are you wanting to give up? Because if he signs the offer sheet, you have to give him picks. So, <clears throat> I mean, that would, that would I be. I don't even know what draft picks are. Um, it, it depends on how much your offer is for offer sheets. I mean, I know, like, if you're at the highest bracket, like, for an offer sheet, it's, like, 10 point. If your offer is more than 10.1 or 10.6 million or something like that. I mean, obviously, it's not going to be that high, but it's, like, four first-round picks. So, it it just gets more picks the more you offer. But, yeah, I mean, you would have to replace that. Because even in-house, what is your top pairing if he leaves, if Latang were to leave? Would it just automatically be Marino and Matheson as your top pairing if it's just the people on your team? I feel like that's probably the most probably. natural succession. I mean, mm-hmm. and then at, at that point, you'd probably have who's who is the right side D that we have? I guess Friedman could play the right side. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but the, you know, like, yeah, it's hard to, to speculate on who it would be, but somebody would be brought in. I mean, yeah. there's no way that they would yeah, go in the next sure. season. So. I don't know. It's tough. Like it's I, tough. I don't want to think. I, I don't want to think that there's a possibility that Latang could leave. But at the same time, there certainly is. There certainly there's is. a possibility that Latang could leave. Yeah. And I feel like it's more possible with him than it is for Gino. Yeah, I mean his his first agents running the show up in Montreal, so that's why you know it's such a a natural link for everybody to try to make there. Yeah, um, but we'll see. Um. I can't believe that we're saying this, but the Pittsburgh Pirates are an over 500 ball club. So let's talk about that when we come back, huh? Yeah, I guess we're so. wearing the hat right now, by the way. I am. I'm loyal even when they suck, <laughs> which is still right now. Uh, yeah, but the Pirates are five and four. We're going to talk about that when we come back. This is around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network.
and welcome back to Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm Smitty. That is Tyler. Like I said, I, I want to just keep shouting this from the from mountaintops right now because the Pirates are over 500. <laughs> They're 5-4 and four on the season. Just took 3-4 of four from the Washington Nationals on Sunday afternoon with a victory. All five of their wins are also come from behind victories. Yeah. Um, I think that it's just kind of what we thought was going to be the case with this ball club. Like not necessarily very good, but they're very like I hate using this word because it's the words that you say when you know the team's not good. Like they're gritty. You know, they they compete. They're going to play hard every single night. This is a lineup. Oh, it sounds on like you're describing have. a hockey team. Exactly. <laughs> this is a team that didn't have Brian Reynolds or T. Brian Hayes in the starting lineup on Sunday. And they went out yeah. and beat uh, Patrick Corbin and the Washington Nationals. Uh, I mean, what is there to, to say about this club right now? I mean, like I said, I, I just used a bunch of adjectives that, like I said, you use when the team necessarily isn't that good. But it, it's true. This team is going out every night and they're, they're keeping games close. Yeah. Uh, well, first, I got to say there is a nice spot on this wall for those people who are watching on YouTube for a World Series banner. So I'm getting that ready <laughs> right now. Um, but I just think this team is fun. Are they perfect? Definitely not. Um, there's still a lot of managing decisions that I do not agree with. There's a lot of like lineup decisions, bullpen decisions, whatever it may be. I, I just don't agree with all of it, but I think this team is fun to watch. And for those reasons that you've been talking about, they're gritty. And they're, I don't think that I've really thought that they've been out of it in a lot of these games. I know they haven't performed well in a lot of them. But like this whole national series, even being down three nothing today or Sunday, thir- fourth mm-hmm. wall broken again. Um, <laughs> I I just don't think that they have shown like they're just going to be like sulking and uh really just throw in the towel and really get drilled by a team. I, I think that they're going to p- be playing tough the entire game, whether they're losing one nothing or they're losing five nothing. I think you're seeing a lot, like you said, a lot of compete from this team. And it's funny because we're using a lot of terms that are used for hockey, but it's true. Like, I, yeah. I think these guys want to win, and I don't think that, now granted, it's early in the season, so maybe when they're like 20 games under 500 in August, it changes. But I, I think that uh, right now, it, it's great. And the fact that they have a winning record, who thought after this Cardinal series that we'd even see a winning record? So, you know what's uh, funny is I was getting them. ready. I was getting ready. I was thinking I was going to come on to the show and ask you if you remember last year, there was a point in the season where I said, are they going to get back over 500? And they didn't. I was planning on asking you <laughs> when they went to like three and four or whatever, uh, if if you thought that they would get back over 500 and then they, they've they won the next two games. So yeah, can't ask you that now. But um, yeah, I, I think that like the biggest thing for me, just just watching them play right now. And, and like you said, they're not perfect. I mean, you look at some of the starting pitching like JT Brubaker and Mitch Keller, which if you think that this team's going to do anything this year, you would think that those would probably have to be their two best pitchers. And they haven't been. Obviously, those are the next two starters, by the way, in, in, in line. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think you look at just like the positive things like Diego Castillo, Michael Chavis, who was, you know, kind of thrown away by Boston, a, a once pretty highly thought of prospect and what he's doing this year Yoshi Tsutsugos has like a completely different approach I mean you would like to see the power show up hopefully it does eventually but he's seeing so many pitches he's working a ton of watch right now and really what this team looks like it's built around is defense they're playing unreal defense guys like Ben Gamble in the outfield is playing unreal defense you know what T. Brian Hayes is going to do at third base but Michael Chavis made a great play at third base today too obviously you know that's kind of what Kevin Newman does bring is his defense it's just you look all around the diamond and it's we talked about like 
kidding being contagious, but Kevin Newman had a quote after one of the games last week where it's like, hey, not only is hitting contagious, but when one of us makes a play in the field, that can be contagious too. And all of us get excited. All of us want to start playing, you know, to the best of our abilities that we know that we can in the field. They take a ton of pride in that. Yeah, I, I got to say the defense has been really impressive, especially from Ben Gamble. I mean, he had two on <laughs> over the Saturday, uh, yeah. flying Superman out there in right field. If, if the voting ended today, he would definitely be a gold glove <laughs> outfielder. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's great to see. I mean, we obviously know that like Brian Hayes is going to bring the great defense, Brian Reynolds and that sort of stuff. But, Jake Marisnik, they brought in but another really every, good defender. But everybody like it has yeah. been contributing. And I think that's the best part is that it's not like the most of the team is playing poor and there's only like one or two guys that are actually shining. Like we we're, basically it's, we, it's not just Brian Reynolds and Cabrian Hayes that is actually shining on the team. Most of them are contributing in many ways, whether it's on defense, whether it's on offense, some of them are doing it both ways. I just think that it's very entertaining to see. I mean, they got us, they got me to buy MLB, MLB TV. I mean, that, that's impressive <laughs> in its own right to make me want to actually watch the games and not illegally stream them. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I think this seems a lot of fun. I, I can't wait to go home and go to a game. You were at the game on Saturday, which I saw. Yeah. I was that. What, was it a lot too. of fun? Yeah, I'll tell you what, like, so we ended up still, like, standing in the same spot eventually, Um, but just taking, like, a look around the ballpark, like, we walked to those new bar locations and center field and stuff, it is, it's really nice setup, like, I have no idea why people would pay for a seat as opposed to just getting a standing room only ticket, because all those places also have bar stools for you to sit on anyway, like, you can still sit, so basically where we would stand, there's Mm -hmm. now, like, bar stools there for you to sit and just have, like, the, yeah, and still have that, that railing there, though. That's pretty awesome. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's a great setup. I think it was a great idea by the Pirates. Uh, you know, I know a bunch of people are going to make the joke about investing in the team as opposed to investing in improvements around the ballpark. But, um, no, it, it's really nice. It's a great setup. Um, and, yeah, I definitely <laughs> I definitely think that for the people that just view PNC Park as like a, a venue to go to and just spend a night and not worry about like the, it don't really care about the baseball game at all. It, it's it's even better now for you to, to go to than it was just even last year. So yeah, great improvements around the ballpark. Yeah. I think a huge part of the pirates, at least offensively is that like you said, with Sutsugo, the approach is different because I just feel like they're just getting on base, whether it's a walk or a hit, it doesn't matter. I'm not like, I'm not looking up at these actually. stats. Um, I'm not looking at the batting average. I'm looking at the on base percentages for some of these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Reynolds, 314. Obviously, you want to get that higher. But yeah. Michael Chavis is at 556. <laughs> ben Gamble's 375. Vogelbach is 346. Uh, Brian Hayes, 438. Marinzik is 353. I mean, so, some of these guys, like, they should not be that. Sutsugo, 368 on base percentage. I mean, it, it, it's it's awesome. I, I think that's why we've always like you and I have always valued on base percentage more so than just the flat out batting average. And this is reasons why when you get on base, that's giving your team opportunities to score. Yeah, I think especially for a team like this where we know that there's, you know, there's not many options. There's not many power bats in this lineup. The ones that there are like you, it's a lot of small ball. Yeah, they're going to have to play a lot of small ball, but like every once in a while you you think that Yoshi probably has to sell out for some power. And I think that that's where it comes down to like weighing that because like I said, we haven't seen him hit any homers yet, but he's working a ton of counts deep and he's drawn a lot of walks. Eventually, you got to start seeing the, the ball go over the Seven fence. Seven walks. Uh, yeah. 
it's crazy. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. It's just, I, I keep going back to like the one thing that I really don't understand about the roster right now is like, what was the point of going out and getting like a Josh van meter? Because like they already have that guy on the roster right now, or they have that guy in triple a. It's just, I looked at the rest of the roster and really don't take much issue with anything that they're doing right now. Um, as long as we keep seeing like a Diego Castillo playing, you know, like four times a week at least. But yeah, I, you know, a Josh van meter being on this team, I, I just, I didn't get it from the beginning. It's, it's probably something I'm going to talk about every episode, to be honest with you. I don't either. And I think he's just a waste in the lineup. He's not producing. I think I do. He did come through on Sunday, but yeah, but he whatever. like for the for the most part, majority of the season. I mean, he hasn't played in a ton of games, but he hasn't really done anything when he's played in the games. I he, he I'm with you. He's one of the ones where it's like, why is he on the team? Why do we sign him? But everybody else, I mean, this this is like the Island of Misfits lineup, and it's it's <laughs> been working so far. Yeah, Ben Dammel, just to bring him up real quick again, and then I want to talk about the bullpen, is a guy that, like, when I when I saw got brought back, um, I was kind of like, even if he doesn't end up being a starter to me, he was, like, the ideal fourth outfielder. Like, say that Travis Swaggery didn't have, you know, the shoulder injury last year, didn't have the lost season, was ready to go in the majors, and you had maybe, like, I don't even want to bring up the possibility of this being the case, but we know it's a real possibility, O'Neill Cruz ended up not sticking it short and being an outfielder. Even if you had those two and Brian Reynolds, I would still have been, you know, pounding the table for, like, a Ben Gamble to be the fourth outfielder anyway. And now we're talking about extending him. <laughs> and so forget extending Extend Reynolds. You might as well extend Gamble. Yeah. Just hand out extensions like crazy. I want to talk to you about the bullpen though, because so with what we're seeing from we kind of touched on this in the in uh, last week's episode too, but we've seen it even more now through another week of baseball here. The Will Crow effect on this bullpen. Uh we obviously didn't like what he brought to the rotation, but he's a completely different pitcher out of the bullpen. When you can just kind of minimize the innings that he has to work and just say, hey, go give it everything you got for two to three innings. And we're seeing what it's doing for him this year. Pitching with a ton of confidence, he's able to mix in every single pitch that he has and just empty the tank when he's out there. Um, To the point where we're seeing like Shelton get creative with the bullpen a little bit. Like I know you were talking about even like his bullpen usage, but especially on Sunday, Saturday and Sunday, it was very interesting to see like Bednar do what he did on Saturday working multiple innings and then be the guy to close the door on Sunday. You know, it's just, if, if that's the case and I'm all on board with that because I do not want to have a traditional closer. We've had this discussion. How many times put your best pitchers in the highest leverage situations and we're seeing Derek Shelton kind of go towards that. I don't know if that's somebody in his ear or what's going on, but I've actually been pretty okay with the way that the bullpen has been used this year. I th- I think it's smart. Um, like you said, Will Crow has been great, and I think the approach that he takes out of the bullpen versus being a starter is completely different. I think that's a, that would be the way for any pitcher because you're not have to worry about going for X amount of innings. You don't have to worry about how okay, how many pitches am I throwing? Like like you said, you're going out there for may, one, maybe two innings, depending on the situation, and you're going to give it your all. And I think that approach has really helped him a lot. He hasn't even he hasn't given up a run this year. I don't think Bednar has either. And, th- those and Bednar is the longest streak uh, of any pitcher, I think, without giving up a home run. Yeah, those are those are your two. I feel like those are your uh, two anchors in that that bullpen room right now um, that you can rely on to when you trot them out there. You're expecting to get out of the jam. You're expecting to get um, out of the situation that they are brought into. And I, I think that 
for the most part, the entire bullpen has been uh, pretty good. And I think situationally over these last couple of games, I did notice that I'm like, it's the eighth inning, but Bednar's in there. They're not expect they're not saving a traditional closer, which is like something that we've been hammering the table for, for yeah. basically the entire existence of this podcast is that the, the traditional closer role is something that should only happen in the highest situation, not in the ninth inning. So yeah. it, it's whatever the highest leverage situation is, whatever the toughest situation is. Like if Juan Soto was batting in the seventh inning, but Bednar is your quote unquote closer, I don't care. You should have him pitching against Juan Soto in those situations. And I mean, it's it's good that we're seeing the team get away from that because I think that's just a better mindset completely to give your pitchers the best situations possible. That's putting your team in the best situation possible. You don't want to like throw out Dwayne Underwood Jr. instead of David Bednar in your highest situations. Mm-hmm. Right, just because of the inning that it is. Yeah, I, there's there's some other arms there that are intriguing. Like, okay, so Chris Stratton had to be the one that, to close it down on Saturday. Um, but like, I, I've liked the usage of a guy like Dylan Peters, who got used in some starts last year, I think was decent. And he's back again this year out of the bullpen, and you can use him as kind of like a Swiss Army knife there. Um, there there's not too many arms that I'm really complaining about. Like, I, I think that Heath Hembree's been used in a decent role. Uh, I think he, well, he got kind of bailed out by that great relay play. Otherwise, he would have given up a run um, on Sunday. But, yeah, I, I, I mean, Contreras there's a lot looked of... good out of the bullpen. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know how we don't talk about that at all. But, yeah, yeah I, I, I think so, too. his first win, too. by the way. It's, he got his first major league win, and it's gonna be. That's obviously not going to be his role um, when he's here as like a full time major league guy. But you mentioned the name Dwayne Underwood Jr. with him being on IL right now. Contreras gets brought up um, to have a, a role, at least doing what he's doing. And, and yeah, man, he that was a great appearance that he had against the Nationals. So there's just, I mean, like you said, it, we know that by the end of the year we're probably to be talking about a team that's that's under 500 and probably not all that close to being 500, but. I think that there's still going to be some things that are intriguing to watch this year. And you think you would hope, uh, you know, before too long, it's even going to be more talent on the major league roster when a guy like O'Neill Cruz comes up. So we're just kind of like buying time until we get to that point. Yeah. I mean, what I've been seeing is making me excited for the future. Um, And I know people will always be like, oh, it's always about the future for the Pirates. But like, I think this is like serious. And especially like since Cabrian Hayes got extended, I think the Pirates are showing that they're a little bit serious about the future now, too. Um, And like from what I've seen this season, I just feel like this is getting me excited for the future of it's the groundwork whenever we're getting in contention again. Yeah. It's like, okay, so it's obviously not like the 2013, but you almost feel like, okay, if last year, because it was so bad, it's kind of like a 2010. Maybe this is like a 2011-ish type, except obviously I'm talking about by the time that we're at the end of the year, because still at 2011, they had a really nice first half. So I mean, who knows? Maybe this Pirates team will be in contention <laughs> by, at the, at, in July, but uh, right. assuming that that's not going to be the case. But it's still, when I say that, I mean, you see signs of, of what it's going to be within a year or two. And, you know, we'll see. We'll see how close they are, because I think that's still up in the air, too, is how close does the organization think they are to competing? And when we see a guy like Brian get extended, we'll see what happens with Brian Reynolds because this two-year deal really does nothing in terms of extending his time with the team. Um, if we see a, an extension on top of that, I think that that would be a sign towards where they feel like they're at in this rebuild. But yeah. that's still, to me, kind of up in the air. Anyway, we're seeing winning baseball, which is great. So, I, yeah, I hope we cher- cherish right every minute of it because it might not last right, The time that you're listening to this, 
cherish it right now because the pirates are well if you're listening to it late at night i guess they might not be we're a different day of the week but but right now when it's well, being recorded, at least just know that they're if, five if you're listening on monday the worst they could be is 500 so yeah Monday night, the worst thing could be is 500. But if you're going to so, go back yeah. and listen to this like next Friday for some reason, that's you just your podcast fix then. Who knows what the case is going <laughs> to be? Might be five games under at that point. <laughs> uh, but uh, seriously, uh, great things going on right now with the club. It's encouraging to see. Um, but other than that, I don't think I did anything else in, unless you do. Um, no. When we um, talk about the Pirates, we always like to refer you guys to watch or listen to the Pirates Fan Forum. On the yep. network as well. They come out every single Friday right here on the DJ Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. You can watch the video on YouTube. So if you're subscribed, I don't know why you're not subscribed because I'm going to say it every single episode. So just do it so I can stop, but I'm not going to. Uh, like, comment, do all that good stuff. But they come here every single Friday. Um, and it's the it's the best Pirates talk in, in Pittsburgh. And they deserve so much credit for what they're doing, especially through the through the tough times. And the good. They, they don't only talk about the Pirates when they're five and four like us. So True. True. I'll I'll finish with since you'll be everybody will be listening to this on Monday. It's been two days since Nolan Arenado has stellar play because he didn't have one on Sunday because that was average as hell. (laughs) It was Lockie Brian Hayes like nope nope. Uh, But anyways, we can't thank you guys enough for watching or listening to this episode of Around the Four One Two. I'm gonna say it again. You guys ready? Subscribe to the channel. You won't miss a single thing from the DK Pittsburgh Sports Content Family. Leave us a like, leave us a comment, all that good stuff. Let us know who you think pick number 20 is going to be. Put it in the comments right now as I'm saying this. Uh, But other than that, we'll see you guys next week. For Smitty, for Tyler, this is Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. (laughs) 